does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Is the eye of the tiger needed for today's show? We move from the 70s to the 80s with the opening theme. I may see if I can get a consultant's gig with this place because Lord knows I don't get enough paychecks. Like director of musical operations for the fan might be the way that I would go. My name is Greg Rakestraw. I am back with you for a second day. For some, there is much rejoicing. For others, probably the clicking of radios if you still for some reason uh, change your dial without the benefit of some sort of push-button technology. Yesterday was the all-coaches edition of the show. Today, we have one coach on the program, that being the head coach of the Indy 11 in Mark Lowry. You knew if they gave me six hours of radio over the course of two days, I'd get at least 10 to 15 minutes of soccer conversation on the program. Knowing I get an hour of soccer talk tomorrow, you know, you've heard the liner before. If this is your football, then this is your show. Soccer Saturday. Hello, that's me. We're about to hit like 400 episodes of that program, by the way. Actually, maybe we're like to 500 episodes. I've lost track. We're literally starting like year number 10 of that program coming up in like a month because the 10th season of the Indy 11 rolls around. Well, in all of two weeks, head coach Mark Lowry in the two o'clock hour of the program. But before that, well, non-coaches, a lot of broadcasters and a couple of current athletes on the docket for today's show as well. Brandon Gaughan will be our first guest of the day. He will join us at 1230. Of course, Brandon spent a few years as the radio voice of the Butler Bulldogs has been the voice of Madden. You have heard him. You have seen him on Fox, on Big Ten Network, college basketball, uh, college football, National Football League games. And, well, he and I were the two broadcasters for the Colts and Lions preseason game that took place in week number two of the preseason back in August. Brandon's docket's going to be pretty busy, and I'm sure with spring training coming around, that starts sooner rather than later. He is the brand new voice of the Atlanta Braves on TV. I think Fox Sports South, I think, is where you find them, or Bally Sports South, or something along those lines. Um, anyway, Brandon will be joining us coming up in the next segment of the show. Jeremiah Johnson will check in after an epic Pacers Celtics game last night that, according to some of you, went well for the Indiana Pacers. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to criticize the Pacers at all for their effort last night. The Celtics are a hell of a basketball team, uh, maybe the best team in the entire NBA. And clearly from a record standpoint, they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Pacers put up 138 on them. Only problem is, is that the Pacers gave up 142. Miles Turner was fantastic. But again, we kind of scratched the surface on this discussion yesterday. Are you on team playoffs or team tank? If you're of the latter, last night was absolutely perfect for you. And I saw a lot of tweets fly by on my timeline that that was the desired result. Again, to me, losing, I wouldn't say is a benefit that gives the wrong connotation. I want to see this team win. I want to see this team pull those games out. So I'm not being critical of last night. Just I want to see them be a playoff team. I like the young pieces in place. You are in a position 
from both a cap space and a draft pick standpoint that more talent is coming in here in the offseason regardless. I don't think Victor Wenbayama, am I saying his name right, by the way? The seven foot five French kid, I think is how most people, you know, refer to him, but I believe that's how you say his last name. I doubt he's coming here. We did this yesterday in the program. The history of the Pacers moving up in the draft lottery, well, it's like never stinking happened. Um, so maybe you say they're due. I want to see him win. Played great last night. Now, against a team of similar ilk, when the Magic are the opponent on Saturday, I think the last time the Magic kind of beat up the Indiana Pacers when they played, um, I want to see the Pacers get a win. Because the Magic, you know, are in the tank. And they have been for a long time. I don't want to see the Pacers be that bunch. So Pacers lose last night, but an entertaining loss. And Miles Turner was spectacular last night for the Indiana Pacers. And I know that is always a lightning rod of conversation, maybe less so now that we know what his more immediate future is going to be, that he's under contract for two more years with this team. We'll have Pacers conversation with Jeremiah Johnson before he hits the team plane to head to Central Florida. JJ joins us later on this hour. In the one o'clock hour of the show, you know, normally in February, we don't talk to that many members of the Indianapolis Colts. This is the time of year of a current player scenario. January, February, March is when those guys kind of scatter to the four winds. Well, Kylan Granson, and I, I kind of got wind of, of Kylan's charitable efforts before I ever played it down for the Indianapolis Colts. Like, there was talk about, like, this, this, this book drive or school supply initiative that Kylan had put together, like, after he was drafted. Like, I, I saw this PR release from a team PR, but from, like, his own personal PR person. Well, he has a book drive that starts next weekend, and he is hoping to raise... 10,000 books. KG's Kids, kgskids.com, is where you can find out more information and hopefully donate. We'll certainly let him plug that when he joins us approximately an hour from now. But then we'll also ask him thoughts on Shane Steichen, thoughts on potentially drafting a new quarterback. And obviously, Kylan is a bit partial. You would think that guys in the locker room are partial to their current teammates. Got to remember, he was a high school teammate of Sam Ellinger. So we'll, we'll kind of navigate those waters with Kylan coming up in a little bit. The progress he hopes to make from year two to year three. And knowing that the uh, pieces are going to change, they always do. But knowing free agency is coming up and knowing the position the Indianapolis Colts have in the draft, the way that locker room looked last year he is going to look very different this time around. We'll get his thought on that. Again, that is coming up uh, in the opening segment of the 1 o'clock hour of the show. And our other guest that will be gracing our airways between now and 3 o'clock would be Antoine Davis. His Detroit Mercy team lost last night. Antoine had 27 points. And if I have done the math properly, that now puts him within 100 points of Pistol Pete Maravich with a guarantee of two games left to go If he wins in the conference tournament, which they would play next Tuesday, and I will rifle through those scenarios, if not on the air, then over the course of a break, um, you know, could potentially get a third game, 
you simply do the math. Okay, He's averaging right around 27 points a game. So what he had last night, kind of on par with his season average. So he probably needs four games, can get it done in three, if he can get to Pistol Pete. And we'll talk to Antoine coming up. They have their regular season finale tomorrow. We'll talk to Antoine Davis coming up in the 1 o'clock hour of the show. So a little more room for you and I to interact today than we had a day ago. The phone line is open. In fact, it's open right now. 317-239-1070. Interact with me on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. What you will not notice on those five guests that I rattled off is someone to talk Purdue and Indiana. And I figured we could do that. Maybe the spirit might move me. I might track somebody down to add into the guest a guest mix to talk about that game. And let me talk out of both sides of my mouth here. Okay? We do that a little bit in this business. This is, from a rankings interest standpoint, as big as this game has been in a long time. Now, maybe you could say the bigger game was three weeks ago when Purdue was rioting a bit higher than they are right now. And even Indiana, to some degree, was kind of that way too. But it was the number one team going into Bloomington. And for as good as the freshmen have been in terms of Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, to go along with the unstoppable force that is Zach Eady, you could tell that Lawyer and Smith had never been a part of anything like that day in Assembly Hall before. And Purdue played better in the second half, could not climb out of the hole that was dug in the first half with how well Indiana played, the emotional lift that that tremendous crowd at Assembly Hall gave them, which is to a certain degree what will happen tomorrow for Purdue in terms of being at Mackey. But again, the reason that I'm not full guns ablazing and, and, and crazy fired up for Purdue and Indiana tomorrow Again, while it's on, it's great. But I've got a handle on these teams at this point. And this is the case in college basketball, period. We are 27, 28 games into the season. You're allowed to play 30 or 31 during the course of the regular season at the Division I level. Then we'll have conference tournaments. But it's just kind of the nature of the major conference level of Division I hoops. And it's the dichotomy, it's the difference from the coaches we had on yesterday to the topic that I am opening the show with to talk about today. Like at the end of the season, at the end of the regular season, this last week in February, ending of the first week in March, to me for this 7-10 to to day window, Like, I'm more interested in Indiana State because everything they have done this season will come down to next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Arch Madness in St. Louis. Ball State's conference tournament is a week later. It's been a wonderful first year for Michael Lewis in Muncie. But how his season is remembered is going to come down to what that team does for three days in Cleveland the following week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. For Indiana, their season will likely not be determined by what happens in tomorrow's game. For Purdue, 
they will hear about it for the remainder of the offseason. If Indiana sweeps them, because that's what rivalries are about, that's what you're supposed to do. But I still think what Purdue's season will be remembered for isn't going to happen this week, isn't going to happen next week. Even if Purdue, and it certainly appears they're going to, even if Purdue wins the outright Big Ten championship, that's great. But Matt Painter's teams have done that on a semi-regular basis. Such is the price of success. You get to a certain level and fans, media, etc. then ask, well, why haven't you done more? So the questions that we want to want to ask, the mileposts that we want to see these programs get to and surpass on February the 25th. They're on March 25th or past March 25th. By the way, if you don't have your uh, calendar memorized, uh, March 25th would be two of the four games in the Elite Eight to see who goes to the Final Four. That's part of the reason why I use those dates. So the atmosphere of Mackey tomorrow is going to be phenomenal. The fact that Indiana and Purdue are both in the top 20, are both in the top four seeds when the NCAA tournament folks uh, revealed the brackets last week, that's tremendous. I'm not telling you not watch tomorrow's game or care about tomorrow's game. It's going to be great. But everything in terms of what really piques my interest and gets my appetite for those two teams going, it's more along the lines of, hey, this one's going to be good. Get through next week. Big Ten tournament, okay, whatever, fine. I know it'd be nice for Indiana to make a run of the Big Ten tournament because, well, you know, it's like like never happens that, you know, for them. That's what's going to happen in March. Is Indiana a second-week team? And then once they get there, how do they match up? Can they get past that Sweet 16? Because, let's face it, when we talk about Indiana, we don't talk about, hey, you see that Sweet 16 banner? Talk about five banners, right? We have debates over the back of the day those banners used to sway. Martha the Mop Lady, uh, I had to verify that I had to, you know, I backed her up, said, yeah, those banners used to move. The scoreboards did too on Twitter earlier this week. So I get that, you know, the rallying cry for an Indiana Hoosier fan. Let's get to the second weekend. Yeah, that doesn't sound as sexy as you want it to, right? But you also have to acknowledge where you've been and, and not make. You know, last year's last year's milepost was making the tournament and winning that play-in game so you got to be in the round of 64. You got crushed at that point, but it was still better than you had been. Same thing for this group. Can you advance it one step further? So once you get to that second weekend and you've got some time to kind of rest up, catch your breath, evaluate where you are, now you can make a run from that point. And again, for Purdue... I almost feel bad, you know, in terms of saying it's Final Four or bust. Just because of the standpoint of if when this season started, I don't think anybody was legitimately talking about this as a Final Four team. It was, how are you going to replace Jaden Ivey? And Travion Williams was a phenomenal college basketball player. Sasha Stefanovic and Eric Hunter may have had their limits, but man, they did some good things in a Purdue uniform. Man, these new guards are talented but man, they're both true freshmen. And this is an era where, you know, guys are closer to 23, 24, 25 than they are 18 years of age. And man, Zach Eady's been great in spurts, but, you know, that lineage of 
you know, A.J. Hammonds, the late Caleb Swanigan, Isaac Haas, um, you know, tra- on down the line. Man, can Zach Eady be the, the next in line? Well, shoot, maybe he's the best of the bunch at the college level. And seriously, when, you know, he is the clear favorite for the national player of the year. But in terms of Purdue as a program, the question is always, when are you going to step on the banana peel? And Purdue fans don't take that as, you know, me wanting to see that. No, quite the opposite. Purdue fans, I want to see you win the whole stinking thing. Seriously. I want to see you at least get to the Final Four. I'd love to see you in the national championship game because people in my seat root for good stories. We all have our, our teams we're passionate about, the teams that we care about. But when you have done this for 30 years the way I have at this point, you want to see good people win. Matt Painter's good people. His assistant coaching staff, good people. The kids that play for him that are Indiana kids, I want to see them be successful. And frankly, for you as a, as a fan base, Purdue, you know, I'll use one of the JMV, JMV phrases, you know, schlep rock. Here we go again. I want to see you get through that. Man, the games that led up to that UVA game a few years ago, man, that was some fun basketball. Man, that ending was absolutely torturous when the Final Four is literally in your hands and get yanks away and get yanked away from you at the last minute. So Purdue fans, I'm all in on your team. I want you to win. I have question marks about for as good as Lawyer and Smith have been and are going to be for your program, I worry about kind of hitting that freshman wall and how you bounce back from it with how long that this season can go. So Purdue and Indiana fans, I want to see your teams be successful. You know, I'm that person that says, I hope everybody just plays well and has a good time. It's It benefits everybody in the room, which is, you know, me and Jimmy. It benefits us when you are playing well and playing well into March because that brings more people to the table that want to listen to this radio station that care about your basketball team. So tomorrow night's game is going to be fun. Tomorrow night's atmosphere is going to be spectacular. But do are there some things I think we're going to learn about the two teams? Yes. But the ultimate questions for both of these teams start on March 12th. That's Selection Sunday, by the way. So if you want to chime in on IU Purdue stuff, feel free. Phone lines are open now, 317-239-1070. You want to chat about the Boilers or Hoosiers on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw. Old school email works too, greg at 1070thefan.com. And I touched on this a few minutes ago, but just wanted to double back to it from a night ago. Again, Pacers, Celtics was tremendous. Some of you that are on Team Tank, all four of the Pacers losing that one in overtime. I'd love to add a high draft pick as well. I still, for this group, would rather have the experience, even if it's one game of a playoff, if it's two games of a playoff, with that play-in round, I want to see this team be in the top 10. I think it is more beneficial knowing that your core is largely intact, all right? Miles Turner's with you for the next two years. Tyrese Halliburton, you hope, is your point guard for years to come. You, you think you found something in Neesmith. Nemhart has been an absolute find at pick number 31. 
you know, what does the future look like with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner after two years from now? Who knows? But clearly they are guys that have been good examples in the locker room for these young guys coming up. If you get a if you get a great piece in the draft, wonderful, that's a bonus. But you've got a group that you want to grow together with. I'm okay if this team is so successful that they ruin that lottery chance. It's not the popular opinion. I probably have the minority opinion on that. And feel free to engage with me on Twitter on that front too. So we'll talk Pacers with Jeremiah Johnson coming up at 1245. But we can have that conversation in the YouTube chat room. We can have that conversation on social media. You can email it to me as well. Give me your thoughts, Greg, at 1070thefan.com. If you want to join the show via the phone lines, best times today, 145 and 230 and on. Those are the open segments of the program. Other than that, kick back, relax on this chilly but beautiful Friday and uh, we'll do our best to educate, entertain, and inform you or something close enough to any of those three words. We'll take this quick time out. Brandon Gordon on the other side. A little baseball on a cold Friday. And obviously with BG, we can talk a variety of things with him as he is the new television voice of the Atlanta Braves and always the pride of both Evansville and Butler University. He joins us next. Greg Rakestraw here with you here on the Midday Show on The Fan on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I was wondering, since yesterday was Fight Song Day, we had six different head coaches on the program, I was wondering what the musical motif was going to be from Jimmy Cook. I don't think this is like the official Georgia State song. It should be. This gentleman has been a resident of Atlanta for the last 10 years. And finally, for the first time in several years, gets to call his new home city, literally his home as the van, as the brand new voice of the Atlanta Braves. It is Brandon God that joins us on the Your Name Here guest line. Buddy, I am so happy for you. How are you doing? Rake, I really appreciate it, my friend. I'm doing great. And as far as the song is concerned, I fully expected to hear Charlie Daniels, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. <laughs> You're always the good angel on his shoulder, not the devil. You, 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 you much more represent that side. So I was I was reading your extended post announcing this uh, about a week or so ago, I think, at this point. What I'm trying to figure out is, how is a kid that grows up on the east side of Evansville such a lifelong Atlanta Braves fan? Well, it's a very valid question. A lot of people have asked that. So I was seven in 1991 when I went down to game five of the World Series, Braves Twins at Old Fulton County Stadium. The reason my family and I went to that game is because I had an aunt and uncle living in Atlanta. They still live here and they had tickets. So we just went down to be spectators and we were cheering for the Braves because they were. Well, at age seven, obviously a pretty impressionable time for a young kid. And I fell in love with Braves baseball that night. And then from that season on, every game was on TBS. So when I would get home from school, (laughs) you could watch, you could watch the Cubs on WGN Uh where Wrigley had lights. And then you could watch the Braves at night. And so many people, so many of my friends were Cubs fans. And I just said, I'm going to be a Braves fan. And I started watching every broadcast. And from there on out, my heart was with Atlanta. Dude, uh, you're giving away your age because you're my age uh, by saying things like that in terms of uh, Superstation TBS and and, and Harry and and Stoney in terms of every matinee afternoon you got home from school on WGN. So I know that you have had the chance to do some games for FS1 over the last few years. 
Has this always been a goal of yours, if the opportunity presented itself, to, to, to route more towards baseball? Yeah, baseball was always my first love. And when I left Butler, I graduated from there in 06, so I'll fully date myself. Uh, when I graduated from Butler, I knew that baseball is what I wanted to start out doing. And so my first job was in minor league ball, out rookie A, short season, 76 games in 80 days, making mm-hmm. $500 a month and eating clubhouse peanut butter and jelly. And that was what I wanted to start in. And that my path deviated from that as base, as basketball and football opportunities came along. But baseball was always my first passion. And living in Atlanta, kind of reconnecting with the Braves, I was excited to have that opportunity just to be in the city. I never thought the play-by-play job would open up because their voice, Chip Carey, who's now the Cardinals' voice, everyone just expected he would retire here like his father Skip did. Mm -hmm. And that obviously didn't happen. It really caught everybody by surprise when he left for St. Louis. But as soon as I heard that news and the opportunity opened up, I knew it was one that I wanted to pounce on. And so it all happened very quickly within the span of about seven to ten days. Uh, And now here we are, fast forward to today, about another week later. All right, so uh, Atlanta Braves are the one that have kind of gone against the downtown trend. They are now out in Cobb County. We all know because all of us Indiana folks that go to Florida at any point in time, we always plan our trips around, okay, when do I hit Atlanta at the quote-unquote proper time (laughs) to minimize the traffic? How long will it take you to get to the ballpark on a regular basis? (laughs) <laughs> the good news for me is I, with no traffic, which knock on wood, uh, I don't think that's going to happen very often. Right. With no traffic, I'm only about 12 minutes from the park. Okay. But realistically, I'm I'm in a path that is not as heavily trafficked. I'm going away from downtown. So I think uh, on most nights, it'll only take me 12 to 15 minutes to get up there. So really, I'm in a pretty good spot. I look, when that ballpark moved away from downtown, so they had Fulton County Stadium that I referenced, and yep. then they moved to Turner after the Olympics were here in 96. I love both of those parks. I was in those parks a zillion times. And so I, I had an affinity for downtown Atlanta, but I understand why they moved the park where they did. It's a little less congested, and they wanted to build up the area around it. And if folks haven't been, it's kind of a new age thing that everybody's doing where you put bars and shops yep. and restaurants, and you make it an event. You make it a destination, and it's it, they've done incredibly well, well with it. It's really cool. I know you touched on this a, a few days ago as well. Obviously, this time of year, you still have the chance to do college basketball. I'm sure you're going to work in some, some college and NFL football. What what is the calendar going to look like for you around your brave schedule? Yeah, so that's what is sweet about it is I can still do all of that other stuff. In fact, our first spring training broadcast, Braves only broadcast four on TV, is not until March 23rd. So I can still do the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. I can still do the NCAA tournament for Westwood One. And then as soon as I'm done with that, I will head down to North Point where the Braves are and do those four games. And then you'll turn around and it'll be March 30th. (laughs) And they'll be throwing the first pitch in D.C. against the Nationals. And I'm guessing that it'll probably be 37 degrees with uh-huh. freezing rain, but uh, that's all part of the experience. All right. Uh, can you believe it's been 10 years since you've been the voice of the Butler Bulldogs? Yeah, I was just talking with my brother about that. Uh, it, no, I, I can't. And last night I had Penn State against Ohio State, and I was catching up with Micah Shrewsbury, who, of sure. course, was an assistant on those teams under Brad Stevens. And, and we were reminiscing about the good old days. And then he said, man, that seems like yesterday, but it was a while ago. And I said, yeah, you're exactly right. A lot a lot has changed for a lot of people since then. Uh, but it, it's been a while. Interestingly, my next 
couple of games, Rake, are, are Butler games. I've got Butler up there against Marquette this coming Tuesday, so I'll get to get to Hinkle. And then uh, I've got Butler finishing up at Xavier down at the Centos Center on March 4th. So I'll get a couple looks here at the alma mater coming up really soon. Now, as you know, uh, when I hear you on a broadcast, and if I think there is a really nerd-level nugget that you might not have – I am one to DM you and say, hey, if you can work this into the broadcast, like, for example, there was this thing called the Spring League, you know, before the XFL, like third version or after the XFL second version, before the USFL, I'm doing PA for a game in Indianapolis that Brandon is calling from a studio in Los Angeles. I said, hey, by the way, when Reese Horn catches, make sure you drop University of Indianapolis and played here in the state championship game. And literally within three minutes, Brandon's going, you know, Reese Horn played here for the Cathedral Fighting Irish. And I'm like, at least the man checks his messages. So if, if, you know, Butler's obviously been very hit or miss over the course of this year. If it gets to walk-on time for Marquette, Jonah Lucas played at Lafayette Harrison High School. I went to college with his dad, Perel, who was one of the best players in the history of the University of Indianapolis. So if you need okay. some more information on, like, the 14th dude in a Marquette uniform, in case it gets <laughs> to that level, BG, there you go. Well, I hope it doesn't get to that point because that means that our broadcast is not very entertaining because someone was winning by a lot. So, but but – I can always count on you for the under-the-radar nugget that nobody else has. You always have more facts, figures, and nuggets on players and people from the past that nobody else has. So keep firing them my way, and I'll keep passing them along. That, that, that's called. That's also called you know being old. So do you get to keep the Lions <laughs> gig in the preseason as well? You're going to work your schedule around that too? Trying to figure that out. That one's one that might have to go by the wayside just because, you know, August, September for football is going to be tough. That's when the Braves sure. likely will be in a pennant race. So I'm trying to figure out those three games for the Lions and then how September football is going to look for me. Reality is probably not going to be able to do much those two months. And, and I told the Braves when I interviewed because they asked me, hey, with everything else you've got going on, how do we fit into the picture? And I, and I said, look, if I take this gig, this is right. the epicenter for me. This, this is the meat and potatoes. And so I want to be there certainly with them toward the end of the season. And so that, that's going to be something I've got to figure out here in the next couple of months. But my focus will be on Atlanta. My friend, you, you have shown an incredible acumen. And it's, it's not an easy task to do, to bounce back and forth from radio to television. So I acknowledge what I'm about to ask you is usually more of a radio thing and usually more of a, you know, John Sterling thing to have like an individual home run call per player. You have some tremendous young talent you'll be seeing on the Braves on a regular basis. You go on like you are you starting to let your mind wander in terms of all right, here's the Ozzy Albies call, here's the Acuna call. Have you put pen to paper on things like that just yet? I really haven't, and I think sometimes, and Rake, you'll probably agree with me, announcers kind of poo-poo the idea of coming up with something beforehand. But the reality is I think most have at least thought about it and ventured down that road whether they want to admit it or not. But I truly have not yet. I'm not saying I won't before opening day, but I'm hoping that a lot of that comes organic, so maybe it feels a little less contrived and corny. But no doubt, I think when you're the voice of a team, those things become cool and they become endearing to a fan base. So I'm sure once I'm, you know, game 30, game 60 into the season, that some of those will start to come out and hopefully a couple of them stick. I'll be honest with you. I think about it for like the end of the game. Like I I don't think about trying to have like – 
you know, to use an example, I'll give you an example in basketball. So last year, with all the high school stuff that I do, I wanted to make sure I had Beach Grove in the semi-state and Beach Grove in the state championship game. And Beach Grove lost their AD and head coach who battled brain cancer multiple times and passed away three or four years ago at this point. And I wanted to make sure that I, I worked in a reference to him I'm like, okay, I've, I've got to work him in the call because this is going to be, you know, kind of the send-off moment, the things that somebody's going to clip this up and play it back. I want to make sure his name gets worked in there. And, 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 and because it's Beach Grove, and let's face it, okay, Beach Grove is often the butt of a joke from a time to time mm-hmm. for those of us elsewhere around the area. And, and, the, and the Walmart down there has produced some wonderful slash terrible moments, depending on, on your perspective. So I, I use the same call for the semi-state and the state finals when they won. And I said, for Matt English and for Beach Grove. And that, that, that's mm-hmm. the one time in a broadcast that I go, I want to make sure on that final moment that is the most clipped moment of the game, the final call, that I want to kind of rehearse in my mind. Everything else, um, I, I try to let kind of go. And now I will step yeah. off my soapbox. That is my broadcaster TED Talk for the day. Thank you very much. No, no, I like it. The only thing I'll follow up with, and we, all of us have had this discussion throughout the course of our careers. I do find myself, if it's a big game and we're at the final media timeout and there's going to be a huge upset or number one is going to lose, I do find myself thinking, okay, what's a quick call that I can punch yep. with when the buzzer sounds to, to call it and get out of the way and set the moment? Uh, and, and so those moments do happen. I never anymore go into a broadcast thinking, if this happens, then I'll say this. I don't do that anymore. But I'd be lying if I said, again, when there's a minute left, you're like, oh, my gosh, they might knock them off. I need to say something here a little profound that I haven't at least thought in my head ahead of time a bit. But I try to make it as organic as possible. And I certainly think that that's the best way to do it, because the, the most Euphoric calls, the most memorable calls, all the great ones, I think, have come out of, first of all, great plays sure. that have just made us all say things spontaneously. Uh, but I just think when you are when you hit that note and it's off the top of your head, you can just tell, and it just sounds better and more natural. I mean, Brandon God, new television voice of the Atlanta Braves, our guest, Greg Rakestraw, here on the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan, couple quick things, and then we'll let you go. Uh, seeing as many Big Ten games as you have over the course of the last few weeks, obviously Purdue is awfully good. If there is another team, take away the top team off of that group. If there is a team that you think will make a deep tournament run coming from the Big Ten, who's it going to be? I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you and back <laughs> in my home state. I, I, I really think it's Indiana. Uh, and, and that's not to say that I'm sitting here projecting they're going to make a deep run because I realize how vulnerable they are. I realize it's been an up-and-down season. But when they are clicking, and again, I emphasize when they are clicking, I think they're right there behind Purdue with a team that can make a run in the NCAA tournament. There are others. I think Illinois has capabilities. I I think I I really like Northwestern. I just think with their lack of interior presence, sometimes they can be a little vulnerable. Um, But I I would put Indiana up there behind Purdue when it comes to March. And a lot of it, look, we always say when you get in the tournament, Seeding and matchups, that's everything. It can bounce you early. It can not go your way. And we've seen Indiana this time 
be so Jekyll and Hyde uh, that, that I would be scared to pick them into the second weekend. But I know that when they've got everything humming, that is a team with just loads of talent and potential. So uh, I'm curious to see what Indiana does here down the stretch, what they do in Chicago in the Big Ten tournament, and then if they can make some noise in the big dance. Always a Butler Bulldog and always a good dude. Brandon Gauden joining us in the program. My friend, again, I'm so happy for you. Don't be a stranger. Safe travels. We'll catch up again real soon. Thanks so much, Rake. Always great to visit with you, and I'll talk to you soon, my friend. You got it, buddy. Brandon Gauden on the Your Name Here hotline. We'll take this quick time out. We'll talk about the Indiana Pacers. Heck of a game last night. Just the wrong ending. Or was it? Jeremiah Johnson joins us next. The Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jimmy Cook on the ones and twos. Brandon Gauden. So that shows a lot about how much he's grown and how that's the role he'll have for the rest of the season. There may be some games in in late March or early April, maybe especially you would hope home games, where he's going to get another opportunity to play like he did in that first game um, in uniform. But other than that, I think he's perfectly fine with the role. If there are injuries, he'll be ready. Other than that, he'll continue to provide guidance and advice. And to have George and and James Johnson, Daniel Tice even, I'll say, as vets on this team that sometimes they'll play, maybe sometimes they won't, but they're always providing positive influence and perspective. I think it helps a young team. JJ, as always, buddy, appreciate your time. Good to catch up with you and uh, enjoy Central Florida for like the second time in a week. Safe travels. <laughs> Never a bad thing to get on a plane in February to go to Orlando. There you go, buddy. Take care. Again, that is Jeremiah Johnson, of course, Bally Sports Indiana and Pacers TV on the currently unnamed guest line. We'll go from talking about the Pacers, talking about the Colts. Colts tight end Kylan Granson will be joining us. We'll talk about his book drive and what he thinks year three will look like for him in Indianapolis. That and more come your way next. It is the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Greg Rakestraw is my name. You got two more hours of me. You got one more hour tomorrow morning. Then you got a couple of more hours of me later in the day tomorrow doing the 2A Girls State Finals. I don't work here full-time anymore. I'm still on this place all the time. Ain't it great? And I'm sure I'll call in at some point in time in the 9 o'clock hour down the hall tomorrow night for the JMB Takeover on B105.7. I couldn't make it last week. I was a little busy with the high school wrestling state finals that had me like at Gamebridge Fieldhouse for five hours and happened right during the middle of the show. So um, I, I couldn't have my deep cut that I normally do when I call the program. I'll get with JMB today, get a theme the whole nine yards, get it worked out. So that'll be at some point in time in the nine o'clock hour tomorrow in terms of the evening. 317-239-1070. Probably got time to sneak in a quick telephone call here if you'd like. Kylan Grants and the Colts scheduled to dial us up in just a couple of minutes. He's got a book drive that he's doing and happy to give him some pub for that. In exchange, we'll talk some Colts offseason with him coming up in just a matter of moments. I promised I would interact with those on the YouTube chat room from Naptonius Monk in terms of the Pacers, said you got to be more farsighted, Greg. It's good to win this year, but I want them to be perennial winners. They need more top-end top, top end talent to get that done. Mid-tier picks probably won't get it done. On the flip side, let me give you this from Luke on Twitter. I'm with you that I want the Pacers to make the playoffs. People forget that young Pacers team that made the playoffs in 2010 as an eight seed against the one seed Bulls. Valuable experience for a team that eventually became a title contender. I see the same in this team. Luke, I think that's a very fair comparison. you got to remember, 
that that team in 2010, that was their first playoff trip in four years. If I remember properly, that 2006 was maybe it was maybe it was 07 uh, in in terms of 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 one of those. But it had been a while. It had been a long walk in the wilderness. We're not to that point with this group yet. And again, I I, I think one more piece is needed for this group. But I think it's really about this group playing together and developing. You've got a, a kind of a core of five, six, seven guys. You're looking to add one more. I'd rather have the playoff experience for this group. If not, so be it. You get the higher draft pick. But I actually think it's a good thing if you, you know, win games uh, instead of losing them. But again, I, I think I'm in the minority of that opinion. We just had J.J. on the show. That's Jeremiah Johnson. This is another J.J. that wants to call in and talk Pacers. Hello, J.J. Hey, Greg. How you doing, my man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I can't complain, man. I can't complain. I appreciate you. Hey, uh, first of all, go Ball State. Go Cubs. Let's do it. Boilermakers beat the IU Hoosiers this weekend. That's on one point. <laughs> uh, secondly, um, what do you think about – uh, George Hill, because he's a great man of the community. He has his AAU program that he has yep. with all the teams and everything. And he's uh, coming. He wants to retire as a pacer. What are your thoughts on him maybe moving into the player development role on the player development staff with the Indiana Pacers as he gets closer to retirement uh, as far as you know him being back and everything, if they're transitioning, if that's a possibility? I think it would be good myself. JJ, that's a phenomenal thought. And I guarantee you that George has started to have those ideas. And again, you know my relationship with George. I have known him for 15 years, known him for 20 years, actually, dating back to his freshman year at IUPUI, which is 2004, 2005. Um, ironically, his first college basketball game was the night after the Pacers brawl in Auburn Hills. And that was his first game the next night for IUPUI. Oh, wow. um, and the growth that he's had as a person you know, I'm so proud of him, and I don't mean, but it almost sounds condescending. I don't want it to be. I'm so happy for him uh, that that life has turned out the way that it has, and not just from his basketball playing standpoint, but how he has grown as a person and the things that he is involved in with trying to bring back a high school at Broad Ripple, the AAU program that you cited. Whether it's here with this team or any NBA team, they'd be lucky to have him in some front office role. JJ, let's put it that way. I agree, and I appreciate you putting that out. Yes, he definitely. I I refed high school basketball. This is my twenty third year. I just finished, uh, and I've had the opportunity of refing his uh, AAU programs quite a bit. So I just put that plug out there. And I know you need to go. But lastly, um, the Pacers and the Cel- uh, Pacers versus Celtics reminded me of uh, Chuck Person against Larry Bird, nineteen ninety one. Yes, it reminded me of that game so much. So last night, yeah, I believe it was. And I, the, if they can just stay, it, the last time. My question to you: When's the last time that we had a really cohesive pacer team that just stayed cohesive through the mess and became fluid uh, to really get back in the playoffs and be a formidable team? About about, I mean, about ten or eleven years ago, JJ is your answer, buddy. Thanks for the telephone call. Uh, we'll talk more pacers later in the show. But we have a member of the Indianapolis Colts on the hotline. Let's get to him now. Again, you can come meet him at the Kroger at 116th and Olio coming up next Saturday from 11 until 1. And uh, please support his book drive at all Indianapolis Kroger locations for the remainder of the month of March. It is Kylan Granson that joins us now. 
now. Kylan, this is Greg. How's your offseason going, buddy? Oh, it's fantastic. Always. Oh, it's, a, it's always a nice time to get a nice, you know, breast right before the next season. I know that uh, the, the causes like this have been important to you even before you ever took, you know, to, to count your first pass with the Colts the previous season. The website for more information on this is kgskids.com. Where was it, you know, kind of ingrained in you in an early age to be more than just a football player and be an active member of whatever community you were going to be in? Oh, definitely started early uh, with my mom as an educator. You know, the community was definitely an important part of my life. And, um, you know, reading was what, you know, got me into college, got me into great schools and has led to the opportunity to play in the NFL. And, you know, it's made a lot of changes in my life. It made me the person I am today and, you know, trying to help these kids out here up in uh, Indy, trying to get them as uh, maybe not as obsessed with reading as I was, but, you know, just, <laughs> You know, it's still in that passion. Get them into it because it can lead to a lot of, a lot of roads. Whatever they're passionate in, they, it'll help them succeed. Again, the book drive kicks off next Saturday. KGskids.com. Ten thousand books is the goal, and you can donate over the course of four weeks at Indianapolis Kroger locations. We'll plug that a couple of more times before we go out the door. If you're obsessed with reading as a kid, this is the time of the year you don't have to read the playbook for the team. What are you reading now during your brief bit of downtime? Oh, well, I've got I got some fantasy books right now. I'm uh, I'm reading some Joe Abercrombie. Uh, I finished Red Rising. That was a great series. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 catching up. I had a lot on my wish list, and uh, slowly getting there. <laughs> so again, just to clarify, folks, when he says fantasy, not fantasy football, different type of fantasy uh, that, uh, <laughs> that that Kylan is referring to. Well, obviously, yeah. this this season did not go the way that you or anybody else in that locker room had intended. When you look back to 2022, whether you play one more year in the league or 10 more years in the league, what do you learn from that experience and, and, and try to apply going forward? Oh, man. Uh, there's definitely quite a few things to learn. Um, oh, if I had to take away one lesson, uh, definitely that, you know, it's all about the locker room. You got to keep it, keep everything in. Um, you know, don't, don't, don't listen to what all the outside people are saying. You know, everybody was talking mess about us for good, you know, two-thirds of the season. You know, it, it makes it tough to go out there and perform, you know. But, you know, as long as you keep it with your teammates and they keep it real, you keep it real, um, it kind of helps you weather that storm. Individually, how, where do you feel you made the best progress as a player from year one to year two? Oh, man, I felt so much more comfortable out there. I felt like I was playing, like, twice as fast as I normally did. That was great. Um, blocking, I felt like I was moving dudes off the line. <laughs> um, I was definitely getting my, my yak up, so I was uh, moving after the catch. Um, yeah, I feel like I made some good overall steps in just about every area. So in the last two weeks, have you found yourself, like, going back and watching Philadelphia Eagles game tape from this year to kind of have an idea what a Shane Steichen offense is going to look like for your football team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it looks great. It looks great. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Um, I, I, as a player, you have to give yourself some downtime. You have to give yourself some time away. You frankly got to let your body heal a little bit. Mm-hmm. When the season ended on January the 8th, how long did you kind of let yourself completely get away from things? Until uh, about the end of January. Yeah. Yeah, I just got, got away from it, didn't look at anything. Um, obviously, you know, once Super Bowl roll around, you can't ignore it then. Um, so, obviously, I was watching, you know, playoff ball, 
But started working out, I want to say, second week of February, so two weeks ago. Yep. Started getting back into it. But, yeah, starting to get back in shape. <laughs> team, team activities start for you guys pretty much like late March, early April, correct? Correct. Yes, sir. What have you learned kind of obviously when you go from college to the pros, your draft workouts, then you're you know thrown into the mix in terms of minicamp. There is no break for you as a rookie, frankly. Between year one and year two, you get a little bit of a break. So again, I'll ask you to compare last year to this. What'd you learn about the process last offseason that you apply to this time around? Uh, last offseason, um, you definitely have a lot more time than, you know, rookie year. Um, and a lot of it is just, you know, making sure you're eating right. You know, don't get tempted by that, you know, 24-ounce <laughs> Not Stay away from it, you know, <laughs> um, and just being smart with the way you're eating. And then really the training, you know, the training doesn't really change. Um, it's just making sure you keep up with your nutrition and following your plan. You, I asked you about, you know, the progress you made from year one to year two. I'm sure you're setting goals this offseason to make that same level of progress from year two to year three. What are you kind of focusing in on yourself saying, all right, this is where I want to continue to improve or be better in 2023? Man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make more plays with the ball in my hand. Um, you know, I'm usually making plays out there on third down, and I want to keep that up. I want to be, you know, like a go-to guy on those must-needed you know, situations. And, you know, I need to, I need to find the end zone, God dang it. <laughs> I need to get in there. I need to get in there for sure. So that's, those are the two things on my, my goals for this year. I, I guess I had not realized that you and I had the same career NFL touchdowns. I guarantee you'll, you'll pass me in the very near future uh, <laughs> on, on that front. Um, uh, off season wise, uh, I know you're going to be back here. If you're not here in Indianapolis already, obviously you're going to be here for, for uh, uh, the, the book, you know, uh, donations that start next Saturday. How you like living in Indianapolis so far these last couple of years? Oh, I love it. My my mom's side of the family is all up here, so I get to see all my cousins, you know, my great aunts. I get to see all of them. Um, and, you know, I love Indy. I get to see all four seasons, you know. Right. Winter kind of stays around, but I don't think bad this year. So, um, no, I actually love it. There's, there's something to do. There's always somewhere to go. Um, yeah, I love it. Uh, are you? I, I asked you if you're studying uh, Philadelphia Eagles game tape. Are you letting yourself kind of peek into – the NFL draft. So many people are saying, hey, Colts are going quarterback at four or somewhere in that, you know, early range. Are you turning into like a mini Mel Kuyper trying to figure out who the next quarterback of this team might be? <laughs> Man, trying to guess the draft, that's – I couldn't do it. I mean, you know, even when I was going through the draft myself, I had a million of teams lined up, and I, we really had no idea. And you, It's like one of those things. You can guess all you want, but you're never going to know until they start rolling out the picks. So – I mean, I could see us, you know, maybe going up front at four, but, you know, who knows? I'm, I don't get to, the, to make those calls, so I, I don't even really bother looking in. But I'm excited whatever happens. A couple of quick things we'll let you go, and again, we're going to plug this a couple more times. Uh, book Drive coming up throughout the month of March, partnering with all Indianapolis area Kroger locations. You can go meet Kylan next Saturday at the one just near the reservoir and by Hamilton Southeastern High School, 116th and Oleo Road. Again, we'll plug that one more time. KGskids.com has more information when you go there. Um, people didn't have a chance to see Drew Ogletree last year because he got hurt early in training camp. You saw it in the workouts all summer long and early in camp. What should fans expect from him? You know, knock on wood, fingers crossed, he has a healthy 2023. 
Uh, he's a big dude, and he uh, he's really athletic for his size. Uh, great in the run game. Um, great overall, and he picked up you know the offense really quick. So uh, once he gets a little experience out there, I think he's going to be ripping and rolling. Um, Sam Ellinger uh, obviously got a limited amount of time to show his wares and I'm not going to have you kind of compare him to you know other potential rookie quarterbacks but I pointed this out earlier not only is he your Colts teammate he's your high school teammate and even at a powerhouse program that you went to that doesn't happen where guys got to be high school teammates and then pro teammates what was that experience like for the both of you last year Like, hey man, <laughs> it was a, it was it was definitely a cool experience. You know, I had someone I already had like a built-in friend. Right. Uh, we'd roll in OTAs every morning early, um, so you know we got to develop our friendship. And, you know, it was just a lot of fun um, from that aspect. And you know, we weathered you know that season, the rookie season. It's like, dang, we got like eight more weeks. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was an awesome experience. You know, just getting to know him better. Um, but yeah, it was a fun time. All right, so when Colts fans come see you next Saturday at Kroger, 116th and Olio, what what sort of books, what do you want fans to bring to you next Saturday and throughout the month of March? I mean, bring whatever you can. As long as it's, as long as it's not torn to shreds and you can read it, bring it on up. Well, we'll take it all. Kylan, buddy, thanks for your time. Stay healthy this offseason. Look forward to seeing you at the complex real soon. Thanks for the time today. Yes, sir. Thank you. You got it. Kylan Granson, again, entering his third year with the Indianapolis Colts. Kind of to join us on the Your Name Here hotline. Again, KGS Kids, KGSKids.com has more information. The book drive will take place at all Indianapolis area Kroger locations starting next Saturday, March 4th, and going all the way through April the 1st. If you want to talk a little Colts, since we've just done that for the last 10 minutes, feel free. We had talked a bit about the Indiana Pacers before that. You can do that too. We're going to get our next break out of the way. Our next guest will not join us until 1.30, so there is some time for you to dial us up. Got something you want to say? Now's the time. 317-239-1070. Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Rakestraw, YouTube chat. I'll kind of peruse that for some comments to share with the rest of the class as well. It's Greg Rakestraw, your host for a second day in a row. Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Now we're getting it done, Jimmy. Now we're hitting the sweet spot. He's giving me see the camera's only on me, Woo! which is not there, good. There for, you go. Which is not good for anybody. That's for the radio audience. But Woo! he was giving me the Arsenio Hall dog pound fist pump, which is very apropos for early 1991. They were a three hit wonder, CNC Music Factory. Greg Rakestraw with you between now and three. A man that appreciates him some CNC Music Factory JMV follows me at three. He's got a tavern tour stop today, which I think is in my neck of the woods. I think it's in Broad Ripple. Unfortunately, uh, I will not be there. I'm, I'm, I'm a little busy. I'm doing this here radio show. I've got some work to do for Soccer Saturday tomorrow on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I also have a stretch of like four games in 26 hours to broadcast so i gotta get to avon and danville for a game tonight on isc and my indy tv and there is the fact that my hometown is pretty much vacant because they're all on their way here because the lanesville eagles are playing for a 1a state championship tomorrow in girls basketball and i am fortunate enough 
to be on the call of that game on Valley Sports Indiana and the IHSAA Champions Network. So the social calendar has been going since I started my day with the 8 a.m. appearance on uh, Kevin and Query. And um, it's not going to stop until about 10 or 11 o'clock tonight. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Antoine Davis will be joining us coming up in a matter of moments. But Jimmy wants to talk a little Hoosiers and Boilermakers first. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hey, Greg. I'm doing great. How are you, my friend? I'm good. What's up? Oh, oh great to talk to you. Hey, first off, before I get to my IU Purdue take, I just wanted to thank you and JMV and Chris Hagen and all the local sports personalities for really, um, really quenching my thirst for sports. Um, I've been a sports fan ever since I can remember, and you guys uh, have embraced me warmly, so I want to thank you for that first off, Greg. And um, uh, real quick, I just, I'm a game tomorrow night, uh, IU at Purdue, obviously. I think it's going to be uh, really important for guys. Um, I, I, I'm still torn on who I think I'm going to win, Greg, honestly, but I think for IU, it's going to be really important for guys like Miller Cop and um, the others around Trace Jackson Davis. And this is probably an obvious statement, but I, I think they, they really need to show up in that hostile environment tomorrow. And um, I, I can't wait for the game. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend, Greg. Take care, my friends. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, and when I was asked about IU earlier this week, I said, Hoosiers are probably going to go 0-2 this week. And I don't mean that as like a damning statement, and that shouldn't be a sign that uh, they can't be successful in March. But that's just simply the nature of going to Michigan State and going to Purdue the same week. And again, we talked about this more yesterday and, and not so much today because we were a day closer to that result at that point in time. I'm not sure anybody goes to Michigan State and wins that game on Tuesday. Given the emotional cauldron that that place was, because what happened on that campus the preceding week, whomever Michigan State's first opponent was going to be at the Breslin Center after that was likely not going to be successful. That just happened to be Indiana on that night. And again, if you can go to Purdue and win tomorrow at your biggest rival, when they are one of the best teams in the country, when they are still smarting from you beating them three weeks ago, says a lot about this Indiana team. But I'm also not going to sit here and say that Indiana isn't very good because they didn't get the win in that scenario. No, I mean, Purdue's a really good basketball team. And I think Indiana is, is good. I'm not sure if they're great, which is why I don't have that... Um, I don't, I don't have the high expectations for the Hoosiers. I don't think they're going to run out of the gym by any stretch of the imagination. I think Purdue is going to win that game. And again, Indiana, they're better. They're maybe not as good as we thought they were going to be going into the season. They're not as bad as we were worried they were going to be at in early January when they couldn't find their way in Big Ten play. They're good. And that's not said to be a, a backhanded compliment or the negative connotation. They're a good team. They're a top 15 to 20 team. They're a team that with the right matchup can advance far in the NCAA tournament. And they've got two guys in terms of Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino that if they get hot, they can hang and they can beat anybody in the NCAA tournament. Indiana is literally going and, – and, and 
everybody is this to some point in, in, in time. And and Purdue is like this because of Edie, because there's no one like him in college basketball. You know, you've almost got a bucket whenever you need it when he's on the floor for Purdue. Different type of player, obviously, for Indiana. But they've got both Batman and Robin. Question is, can you survive if one of them has an off game? Both of them have an off game, you're going home. But as is the case for so many teams in both the NBA and in college basketball, it is a matchup scenario for Indiana. And where they're going to be seated, they could be sent home the first night. You know, if you're in that 4-5 game, you're getting a 12-13 game, you're getting the best teams of the one-bid leagues, and those are teams, even this era of the transfer portal, where those teams tend to stay together and can make those deep tournament runs. It's why that happens from the 12-13 seed line. Their guys have been teammates for three and four and five years, know exactly where the other one's going to be, and make plays happen. So it's now the realm of possibility that Indiana gets sent home the first night of the tournament. It'd be a huge disappointment. It's not another realm of possibility. Indiana is playing in the Elite Eight for the chance to go to a Final Four. And that right there, that that is the in-between of college basketball. Like, seemingly the last few years, the formula has been, hey, we look at the number one seeds as being kind of different than anybody else. You know, there's like this group of three or four or five that seemingly separate themselves from everybody else. And those are the teams you're thinking of are the likely Final Four contenders. And then there's this group of, say, almost 15 to 20 after that, where you say, hey, if, if the breaks go their way, if they stay healthy, if a player gets hot, then they're a potential Final Four team. I think Purdue is in that first group. I think Indiana is in that second group. It's possible. It's not guaranteed for either team. Keep your thoughts coming on the subject at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. You can also email in terms of the chat room uh, at uh, the YouTube link. 107.5 The Fan Live is where you can go to search that and uh, be a part of the conversation. Uh, Let me go through some of those in the chat room from Pete. Pete says this, uh, Rake, no more game day coach interviews with UIndy and USI. They both lost. Yeah, um, it's part of the reason why I had them on on Thursday in case something went wrong. Uh, on uh, on Thursday night, it wouldn't kind of you know affect him in terms of Friday's conversation, but no, it didn't go well for Stan. Didn't go well for uh, for Paul last night, and again for Stan's team, they got to find a way to cu- get a couple of more wins to give themselves some level of postseason play uh, to stay above 500. They got to go on the road at Tennessee State tomorrow. As far as Paul's team is concerned at UND, um, I still think they're okay in terms of getting that number one seed for the Midwest region. Uh, they are still very much clear as the number one seed in the GLVC. Uh, and the GLVC uses some sort of convoluted points tracker ranking that happened after I was there as a student, and I'm not sure I could explain it. In fact, I know I couldn't explain it. But it's other rankings after last night's game, and nobody was close to you, Indy. So they'll be fine. Uh, and in fact, they may be able to get by with one more loss and still host that regional and they have one regular season game and three conference tournament games left to go. But, uh, yes, we will check that going forward. I do not want to be a detriment uh, to the guys uh, at, at either USI or the University 
of Indianapolis. Yesterday on the show, and go back and listen to any of those great interviews, you can do so. Uh, go back to the uh, podcast page at 1075thefan.com. Six different coaches' interviews. Um, that were a part of the show yesterday, and uh, hopefully you can go back and listen to those. And if you have missed any of the interviews today, so far that's been Brandon Gauden, Jeremiah Johnson, Kylan Granson, waiting on Antoine Davis and Indy 11 head coach Mark Lowry, uh, slated to join us uh, in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. But now... You can join us if you'd like. 317-239-1070 is the telephone number. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. And you can email the program, too, and go old school. Greg at 1070thefan.com. I'm going to kick back to yesterday on the show because there was a tweet that I never fully had a chance to kind of dive into. We had so many guests in the program yesterday, and this is kind of the juggling act that you do when you're a solo host as a talk show and you're waiting on a guest, you're like, okay, what topics can I get into that I can quickly kind of tie up and wrap up if I need to, to get back to the guest. So I'm going to, I'm going to bank that maybe I've got about five minutes here uh, before we get our next guest or go to a break where I can hit the PR guy and say, Hey, haven't heard from your guy yet. Um, So let me see if I can do this in short order. Brian tweeted this to me yesterday and he said, if you have time, would love to hear some of your favorites at the high school game. As an all-time team, best atmosphere, gymnasium, student section, PA announcer, band, etc. It was kind enough to say, great show. So let me see if I can do this. Um, all-time team. And I, and I will simply give you the best that I have covered on a regular basis. So me covering high school basketball really has been kind of the last 25 years in the Indianapolis area. So like I was around for the Odin Conley teams and the way that LN would play that one, three, one zone with Conley on the top and Greg on the, and you literally couldn't pass the ball from side to side. LN immediately comes up. I have used this so often with this Ben Davis team that is lined up to compete for a 4A championship this year that is 25-0 going into a final regular season game with Tech tonight. And if they win tonight, and if they win their way through the 4A tournament, they'll have the most wins ever in the state of Indiana in an unbeaten season. 33-0. Some team like in the 20s went 34-1. and You can't play that many games anymore. 33-0 and 0 in an undefeated season is the most wins they, that anybody would have had. This Ben Davis team reminds me so much of the Warren Central team from five years ago where there wasn't a dominant player, there wasn't a dominant Division I recruit. That team had David Bell now playing in the NFL. Maybe the, the Zachary kids playing major college football in the league. It's at some point in time down the road, he is a sophomore. Zane Dowdy's going to play at Valparaiso. Maybe K.J. Windham next year is, is a Division One recruit of that group. Most of those kids are kind of Division Two level kids, but they're a phenomenal team. Now, listen, again, um, you know, all-time team, if I extend it past those that I haven't covered on a regular basis – well, now you're talking about 69 Indianapolis, Washington, and 71 um, East Chicago, uh, and I forget whether it was Washington or I think it was East Chicago, Washington, 71, the Turgovich Stoddard group that that was so ridiculously good. Um, you're getting into Purple Rain of the mid-'80s, you know, teams like that. 
But if you're talking about like the ones that I have seen and the ones that I have covered, three-peat LN, mid-2000s, unbeaten Warren in 2018, this Ben Davis team is in the conversation. They have been that good. In terms of best atmospheres, Antoine Davis is calling the show. I'll skip that one for now. But since you mentioned PA announcer and band, those immediately come to mind. The Attics band in the 2017 Seymour Semi-State. Like, I still literally start, like, you know, kind of, like, bobbing my head thinking about them playing in that game. The back-to-back semi-state atmospheres in 17 and 18 were absolutely tremendous. Um, down there, the one year it was Castle, Ben Davis, Attics, Bossy, followed by Morristown, Bar Reeve, obviously the Romeo Langford, and I mean this in a nice way, Circus, um, as well as Warren Central. Those atmospheres stand out. And my PA announcer... My buddy Aaron Pittman, at Virtual Announce on social. Brian of Time Allows, I will get back to that conversation in the next segment. But we do have our next guest. And in a losing effort for Detroit Mercy last night, he scored 27 points, which puts him into double digits away from catching Pete Maravich as the all-time leading scorer in Division I college basketball. He plays for his father, Mike, at Detroit Mercy. Last time I saw him in Indianapolis, he scored 42 points. It is Antoine Davis that joins us now. Antoine, this is Greg. Thank you so much for dialing us up. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Of course, buddy. I, I, I've seen you play for Detroit Mercy and called your games against IUPUI the last several years. So I know the amount of miles that you put in during the course of the game to run and free yourself off of screens, et cetera. How you feel in the afternoon after uh, after a game last night? Um, I feel pretty good. Um, came in earlier and got some treatment and stuff. So just because, uh, you know, we had a quick turnaround. We play again tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And so, um, you know, I... Uh, just getting the little things done just to make sure that I'm okay and ready to play uh, tomorrow. We'll talk about numbers up in the thousands in a moment. Uh, you wear number zero, and literally it is going to go in the rafters after your game tomorrow. What is it like to be a young man that's going to see his numbered retire while he is still an active player? Uh, yeah, you know, that's some, it's special. That, that doesn't happen all the time, you know. So, um uh, you know, normally when you get your jersey retired, it's like it takes like five, ten years, maybe. You know, just um, the amount of time you got to wait to do it, and for me to get it done just after the game is like it's crazy. It's going to be an emotional this roller coaster for me. Callahan Hall is a cool old building. I had the pleasure of I did one game there about about ten or twelve years ago. What has that What has that court been like to you in terms of a home for the last five years? Oh, I love it. I mean, the stadium, I mean, the campus doesn't look too big, but I mean, you know, the, the gym is just, it's a really big gym in the whole, like, you'd be surprised you come here and be like, wow, this is actually a, a really nice arena. And, you know, um, just enjoyed playing here for five years. I'm so happy I never left and transferred and was able to end my career here. And, and obviously, you, you've, you've been through these conversations before. You probably knew what was coming next. Was was it ever seriously a thought to, to kind of break away from dad and go play someplace larger? Was that really ever a, a thought in your mind? Um, yeah, it was. It was a thought. Uh, I really thought, like, you know, playing at the next uh, – at a higher level with, um, just so I could show that I could do it with um, – will work out for me but I mean you know I just felt like it, it was unfinished business here 
and I just really didn't want to end my career anywhere else. I, when I, I, you know, there's pictures of you as 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 a as a youngster, as a two year old. You know, your dad holding you at the Final Four. As I used playing yeah. in the national championship game. In your in your formative years, though, you kind of more remember him as the successful head coach at Texas Southern. If he had stayed there, would you have played for him at Texas Southern as well? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I love the swag. I love everything about HBCUs, and um, I really wanted like just seeing it while he was coaching there and me just watching it, just seeing the atmosphere and the love that they show and um, and everything. HBCUs are so are just really great. I love everything about him and just I was was really excited to play for him there. But then, you know, he got the job uh, at Detroit Mercy and, you know, they just Detroit Mercy embraced me so much um, from the start. Again, Antoine Davis, he is now less than 100 points away from catching Pistol Pete Maravich as the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. He plays tomorrow against Wright State. How good is he? They're retiring his jersey at the end of the game. He joins us here on 93.5 and and, and 107.5, the fan. Again, I can think of you scoring 43 and 42 in two of the games I've called for you playing at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. When you're going through a game – do you have a tally as to how many points you've scored in your head? <laughs> no, um, I just, um, well, I just enjoyed this process and just enjoyed this game so much because you know this game can be taken away from you so fast, and you know I'm just living in the moment of it. I'm just having fun, just doing what I do best, and just winning games from it. At what point in time was the fact that you would be in the vicinity of possibly catching an all-time great? At what point in time did you kind of realize that, or was that brought to your attention? Um, you mean we have this big counter, like this big, big counter <laughs> of, um, the, the, of the number of how many points I have. So, I mean, I see it all the time. It's, it's talked about on Twitter. I get notifications all the time about it. So, you know, it's always in front of me. I try not to pay too much attention to it and just, you know, just enjoy hooping. As somebody that has grown up literally around the game, my guess is is that while while sadly Pete's been gone now for 35 years, I would assume that you've like, you know, watched some of his old games, seen highlights, YouTube, social media, et cetera. Have you gone back and studied Pete at this point? Um, no, I haven't had the chance to, but um, I used to, in middle school, I used to watch his dribbling videos. Like, you know, he used to do a lot of um, – right introductions and tutorials on what to do like dribbling like his stuff that he does dribbling wise and I used to watch it and I used to go in my driveway and work on it and just do it and do it over and over and over again and so it's crazy to think that 11 12 years ago that I was doing that and now I'm in the same conversation with him as far as scoring points if you do that dribble you slam that thing as hard as you can down between your legs and it comes back out the other side yeah. you got more confidence in game than yeah. I do I, I wouldn't uh, yeah <laughs> I, I wouldn't be trying that um, um, anytime soon um, no, no, no. It, was a, it ain't nothing you want to keep trying to do too especially if you mess up <laughs> all right exactly you know you've got two games left possibly three do you potentially do anything different in how you normally play your game, knowing that you're now within 97 points of Pistol Pete? Um, no, I don't change anything differently. I still just go out and have fun playing this game and just enjoy this. You know, I'm, um, I live in the moment of everything. I never take anything for granted. So, um, you know, I'm just, you know, just enjoying this process of playing this game and just, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, um, I feel like I'm the best scorer of my generation of basketball at the end of the day. So, you know, even if 
And then, you know, Pete was the best scorer of his generation. Obviously, it's, it's, it, this is not news to you. The two things people will bring up is Pete played three years, you played five, and I, I know from a math standpoint, games canceled for COVID injuries, et cetera, that's really kind of like more, more like four and a half for you. And the other thing yeah. would be you have three-point shots, Pete didn't. How, how do you kind of deal with that, handle that, compartmentalize that, if you will? Um, well, you know, I mean, people have a narrative about everything. You know, somebody's, you know, it's, it's always going to be something to do with, you know, with, with whatever. I mean, I'm sure people had a, had something to say, you know, when Braun broke the record or whatever, and then, you know, and everything. But, you know, I mean, you know, Pete, he, he did it in his generation, you know, with no three-point line. And then, you know, and with everything he did, I mean, it's just special to do. I mean, you know, I wouldn't – I will never take anything away from him from it because, you know, that's special. You know, and then, you know, he shoot. I don't I don't shoot forty shots a game, you know, but you know, he shot he got the luxury to shoot forty shots a game sure. you know, when you're when you're shooting and you're hitting shots and everything. I mean, who's gonna say anything to you? I if I was on his team I certainly wouldn't say anything, especially <laughs> if he's making the shots, you know. So, um you know, I mean that's why I feel like I'm the best scorer of my generation. He's the best scorer of his generation of college basketball because it's just times are so much different. Well, I phrase it this way because I was fortunate to be on the call the day that you went to number two on the all-time list, that that if nothing else, you were just the best scorer in the last 45 years because the player that you passed in Williams from Portland State, his last year was 1978. Is, is tomorrow, and I know it's a tough question to ask, is tomorrow more about, hey, it's my final chance to play you know, kind of at home and senior day, et cetera. Or are you starting to also think about, hey, this is like the one of the last times I get to play for my dad. Is is that entered your thought process at all? You know, um, just just a little bit of both. You know, it's going to be sad to you know not play for my dad anymore. You know, just going through this five years with just with him. You know, it's going to be different. You know, um, I don't know how he's going to deal without me being there. <laughs> but you know, um, we're both going to be a little sad about it. But you know, I mean, he's he's let me grow so much as a player and as a leader, and just um, he's he's gave me the ability just to lead these guys to um, to reach their best potential of everything, and just um, he gave me the keys to the car, and he's letting me drive it, and he's letting me, you know, lead these guys as much as possible. It's been one heck of a ride, and I've enjoyed the conversation. And I'm fortunate if I've, I've called a couple of your games, and you went north of 40 both times. So I know the Indiana Farmers Coliseum has been good to you. I hope for your yes, sake you can win a couple of games and get back here uh, for the semifinals yes. on uh, March 6th and 7th. Tomorrow's going to be a special day for you, buddy. Enjoy it, and thanks for spending some time with us today, Antoine. I greatly appreciate it. No, yeah, I appreciate you. Anything for you know, I, I, I was born and raised in, in Bloomington, Indiana, so you know I'm anything for you know indiana i love indiana so much i miss it i miss all my friends back home so i just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and tell my buddy pj i said hello and thank you okay i sure will i sure will you got that's pj gradowski by the way that is the uh, pr contact for detroit marys help set that up antoine davis joining us and first time he and i've had a chance to have a conversation i have called his games before but we've never had a chat until just now and again I, i will acknowledge pete played three years this kid was a part of five seasons Pete didn't have the three-point line. This kid does. Antoine pointed out a very good point. He's taken a lot less shots in his time than Pete has as well. Um, there, If he catches Pistol Pete, if he can score 98 points in two games, three games, how many ever left for Detroit Mercy is going to happen? Um there always has to be a difference in the errors and a comparison of the two. But the way he said it is very well. I think I'm the best scorer of my generation. 
goodness, kid, the numbers would back that up. He has north of 3,500 career points. It's pretty doggone special. So that's something to kind of follow next week. Uh, Detroit Mercy right now is eighth in the Horizon League standings. As it stands now, they would get a home game against Purdue-Fort Wayne next Tuesday. That will all change tomorrow afternoon. And this shameless plug, I'll have the IUPUI call against Youngstown State tomorrow night at the Jungle downtown at 7 o'clock. And you can watch it on ESPN+. We are late for a break. Let me take care of that. And we'll come back with some quick thoughts. Mark Lowry at 2 o'clock. Podcast of that available soon. 1075thefan.com. We're back after this. Jimmy has found the sweet spot. 1990-1991's best tracks. That may be the soundtrack then for the remainder of the program. Antoine Davis was fantastic. And that ended up being a plug for the Horizon League tournament. Uh, my friends in the Horizon League office, I'm sure, will appreciate that. Uh, a week from this coming Monday and Tuesday, four games on Monday, two games on Tuesday. I know I can do this because I've heard the spots on this radio station, so I think I can kind of add that into the mix. Uh, women's tournament games in the afternoon, men's tournament games in the evening. You want to get your college basketball fix? It's a good way to do it here in Indianapolis as this is the rare year without Big Ten tournament games taking place here in the Circle City. HorizonLeague.com slash Indy has more. And maybe, just maybe, you'll see a young man attempt to break Pete Maravich's scoring record. I know some of the chats and the, and the YouTubers are going about it. And again, what Maravich did in three years is absolutely jaw-dropping to average the points that he did. Simply the fact that somebody got close to that record is remarkable to me. He's within 97 points with a guarantee of two games left to play and then whatever else he could do from a uh, conference tournament standpoint because the Titans are 13 and 17. So they're going to make the postseason. They're going to have to win the whole darn thing uh, to get to the NCAA tournament. Or not NCAA tournament, but to get to any postseason basketball at all, because you don't have to be over above 500 even play in like the secondary and tertiary and, and third and fourth level tournaments that they offer after the NCA and after the NIT. Brandon Gauden, Jeremiah Johnson, Kylan Granson, Antoine Davis, all available on the podcast page at 1075thefan.com. 2.30 and on, and frankly, probably before that, that's all you. I've got one more guest coming your way. And normally he and I talk for Soccer Saturday. And I'll warn you now, you'll hear this conversation again tomorrow on Soccer Saturday as well. But Mark Lowry is the head coach of the Indy 11. They are two weeks away from starting their season. Even though his focus is the team and what happens on the pitch, I'm sure he's going to want to talk about that new stadium announcement that was made last Friday morning as well. He and I will catch up on that and other things when we come back. It's Greg Rakestraw, Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Now, see, I'm kind of like Pavlov's dog. I hear this song and it gives me a reaction. It's like I need to be doing two hours of soccer play-by-play. It's go time when I hear this song. This is what was played about two minutes before a match starts at Carroll Stadium. First chance to experience that will be five weeks from tomorrow. Indy 11's home opener against 
The Las Vegas Lights is on April the 1st. Uh, the season starts in two weeks in St. Petersburg at Alang Stadium against the always good Tampa Bay Rowdies. The Indy 11 head to Chicago for a preseason friendly against the Chicago Fire, open their MLS season this weekend. That comes up tomorrow. And kind of join us the day before is the head coach of the Indy 11 in Mark Lowry. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hey, Greg, it's good to be back on with you, and we're feeling pretty good right now. Looking forward to season starting. Well, obviously, we'll talk about your team in a matter of moments. And again, for the Indy 11 fans listening, some of this is going to be remedial because we're broadcasting to a larger audience uh, on the Fans Midday Show today. But let's talk about the biggest thing that has happened since you and I last spoke two weeks ago, and that is the reveal of, of the stadium. And clearly, you're focused on building the team and winning with the players you have but to be working with an organization that has that in its future, what does that mean to you and your job? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, and it was one of the things that was kind of uh, spoke to me uh, when I when I took this job just over a year ago now. Um, this has obviously been in the works for a while. That's no secret. Um, I think the fans would have liked it sooner. Sure. Um, I, I always believed that the club was going to get this done. It's one of the reasons why I, I, I was happy to come here because I could see the future and with that stadium, and not just the stadium, the whole development right around the stadium. It's um, it's going to improve downtown, it's improving the whole community, and it's going to give a lot to, to, to the public, not just soccer, but various outlets. For those that, that don't follow the Indy 11, um, the guy that is the head coach at our level, USL Championship, uh, is largely the guy that is the one heading up free agent recruitment and, and, and player transactions and movement and things like that. Is this now to the point where that's a recruiting chip for you going forward? Yeah, 100%. Um, everybody's aware of it. It, it kind of spread like wildfire around the league and through social media, obviously, um, that this is what it's going to look like. And when you have a building like that, it's definitely easy to bring players in because the, people want to play in a stadium like that. All right, so let's now talk about your team. Three preseason matches in, two left to go. Um, last time out was against the Chicago Fire, two of MLS next. Your guys played awfully well. Uh, how are you feeling about what you've seen from your team in preseason so far? Yeah, really good. The, the, the last two, three weeks have been fantastic. Um, the development of the group, the progression they've shown uh, has been superb. We knew we're bringing in good players this year. Um, so, so the talent was not in question, but it's easier said than done, right? The game's not played on paper, right? You you have to come together. There has to be a way of doing things. The players have to buy in. They have to go into work. And there has to be that cohesiveness. And, and I think the last couple of weeks, we've really seen that. Um, and the guys have been fantastic, and it's reflecting the score lines. Even though it's preseason, we were not too worried about the score. It is nice to score goals. It's nice to win. Um, I've, ne- I've never hit that fact. Um, so yeah, but the way they played in those in those games has, has, has been really pleasing. All right, you've got two more preseason games left. Your lone road one is coming up tomorrow again against the Chicago Fire. Again, kind of a split squad. Obviously, their main guys playing for the MLS weekend. Uh, then you guys playing against uh, playing against kind of the reserves. I think that's the case. Educate me if I'm, in, I'm incorrect about that. And then yeah. you, you you got forward Madison that will come to town next Friday who plays in League One. Again, I know your concern is more your team than the other guys you're playing but what do you want to see from your guys these next two weeks in terms of ramping up to get to the season opener yeah well interesting um the reason why we're playing chicago fire tomorrow is because they have a box they're the one team yeah, off for the, for the league for the league opening weekend huh so we're actually going up against you get the ones the first team squad yeah exactly so it, it suits them because they need a game um, and it gives us high quality opposition 
Um, so it's, it's, an, it's an exciting game for us. I mean, we're going to be going up against their first team and, and there'll be some quality players in the field, so it's a really good test for us to see where we're at. I know we're excited to get up there, play away, play on grass, play outside, play against the MLS team. And all those things are exciting for us. And then the following week, Madison will provide a stern test. I mean, USL League One, but those USL League One teams, they're blue-collar, organized, they're physical, they're hard-working. So it's going to be a nice uh, a test for us leading into Tampa on March 11th. Uh, again, Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11, our guest Greg Rakestraw with you, Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and, and 107.5, the fan. Again, the Indy 11 audience, even the new players, they know the guys by heart. For this bigger audience we're broadcasting to today, if there is a new face that general sports fans around Indianapolis need to know about your team, that guy would be whom? It's a good question because we've brought in some pretty big names this year. Guys that have, you know, all league uh, the last few years and, and, and are well known throughout, you know, the soccer landscape. But I understand uh, not everyone in Indianapolis follows the USL or Indy 11. So I think the one guy that's interested in them is Cam Lindley because he's a local kid. Sure. Born and raised in Carmel, Indiana, uh, played for US national teams growing up, got drafted into MLS uh, by Orlando City, played in MLS. So but he's come back home this year. Um, he wants to raise his family back here in Indiana. Um, his, 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 his wife is, is pregnant and she's due very soon. Yes. Um, so it's really <laughs> exciting to have him back. He's excited to be back. So I think, I think that can kind of connect with the, with the, the community, right? We, we want to bring guys back here that represent their hometown. And if they're good enough, we'll definitely try and do that. So have you like had the conversation with Cam? Hey, listen, buddy, the season opener is March 11th. If Olivia hasn't had the baby by a certain date, <laughs> you might want to set inducement for like March 6th or 7th at this yeah, point. Yeah, we, we joke about like, let's, let's, let's get a move on, right? Um, he's actually, we're going up on the bus tomorrow, Chicago. He's going to drive himself in case he has to yep. come back because we are, we're days away from, 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 from his, his little girl being here. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting for him. Um, we 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 also prefer it to happen before the season starts. But hey, look, I tell the guys all the time: your your husband's first, yep. father's first, you're a person first. Enjoy those moments, right? The, the game's always here for you. So do what you need to do as, as as a father and a husband. You and I have had this conversation before. Again, you, you like, you love, frankly, your top kind of top fifteen, top sixteen. I know you're still looking for kind of maybe one more piece or two with the season two weeks away. How is that process coming along? Yeah, it's moving. It's moving in the right direction. Um, because we're so happy with the 16-17 that we have, we don't need to panic on these final two pieces. It's afforded us time to be patient, to get it right, to make sure we round out the roster in the right way. Um, but we are looking at two additional pieces at either end of the field, in the back line and then, and then in the attacking department. Um, and really, if I could explain, you know, who those would be it would be just something different to what we currently have. I like to have a few different plans up my sleeve. Um, if something's not working, it's nice to mix it up and maybe throw a bigger guy on the field if you want to go a little bit air, more aerial. So yep. um, we're just looking for two pieces that can kind of throw a curveball in there, kind of mix it up for us when we need to, and a little bit different to what we currently have. But like I said, we're so happy with the group right now we can afford to, 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 to take our time make sure we get it right. Obviously, your focus is on the Chicago Fire for tomorrow. Uh, then it's two weeks out, again, in terms of, of the match opener against Tampa Bay. Week off, then Detroit. So I'm hitting fast forward a little bit here. But for the most part, there'll be the dedicated fans that will make the trip to St. Pete. And there will be a lot of fans from here that make the short drive to Hamtramck to watch you play in a great atmosphere at Keyworth up on March 25th. But for the most part, people that are listening, the first chance they would have to see your team in person would be in five weeks when you open on April the 1st. 
for, again, a sports fan who's not a soccer person, when they come watch your team on April the 1st, what do you want them to see and observe about your team? You know, I, I think first and foremost, I'd like them to feel the energy around the stadium, you know, just the general atmosphere uh, that we get at our games. If you can kind of sit yourself close to BYB, which is our supporters group, you know, get as close to them as possible, you, you'll really feel the energy and, 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 and the smoke and the excitement and the singing and, and, and that energy is pr- pretty, you know, uh, addictive. When, once you feel that, you kind of want to come back for more. And then on the field, a team that kind of reflects that plays the quality, uh, plays with energy. You know, we like to have the ball. We're a team this season that's going to dominate the ball. So hopefully we'll be the team that's attacking a lot and we can we can entertain you. But I think when you come to our game, particularly a home opener, if you come, that stadium's going to be full. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be energetic. And it's going to make you want to come back. Uh, that is always the case. My friend, always appreciate the time. Safe travels, Chicago. I'll see you next week out at Grand Park. Thanks, Greg. Take care. You got it. Again, Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11, kind enough to join us. And again, um, shame on me for not knowing Chicago Fire weren't playing. There's 29 teams in Major League Soccer this year with the addition of St. Louis. So one team gets the bye, and that team just happens to be the Indy 11 so they will get the primary players for the Chicago Fire. Uh, I'm sure they'll kind of sub out some sides throughout the course of the match, but uh, that just got a little more interesting from my perspective uh, tomorrow. Again, Indy 11 have one more preseason friendly. Maybe they let season ticket holders in. I'm not sure. Uh, I snuck out to the one. I called the game against Indiana Wesleyan, which was cool. We've never done a preseason stream before. Did that on Valentine's Day. I then went up and... Uh, did the uh, or just watch the first half of the Butler match on February the 10th. And uh, I think time allows me to at least get a good first half viewing of the match against Ford Madison next Friday. Indy11.com, 317-685-1100. Because you are quite soccer knowledgeable, both as a fan and as someone that doesn't mind making some money off of a money line when it comes to soccer. Mr. Cook questions you might have about the Indy 11 about the new stadium I am much more knowledgeable on the team than I am the new digs but fire away with your Indy 11 questions for me while we have the opportunity well I guess one on the I guess team slash fan engagement side yep. if people are still looking into season tickets is that still still a possibility or is that we will happily take your money whenever you would like huh. um we can always pull back tarps for more tickets if we need to <laughs> indy11.com 317-685-1100 yes you mentioned the fact that it's going to be some first team experience against mls club in the chicago yep. fire tomorrow uh from your preparation standpoint and just how a team like this can build off of that uh, with the season, like you said, or the home opener anyway, five weeks away. This is this is all, again, the, the teams at the top end of our league, of which we hope and aspire to be this year after, frankly, not being that the last two years. Um, there's not a huge difference between, say, a back-end MLS team and a top-flight USL championship team in terms of talent. Not like they're going to play the Indy 11 off the pitch. I can't remember whether it was last year or the year before that I think we ended up playing Vancouver in, in a, in a preseason friendly and, and beat them. And let's be honest from a score standpoint, Butler beat the Indy 11, three, one, you know, you see it, you see it in preseason yeah. baseball, spring training. Sometimes the college team beats the pro team. It happens. Um, but in theory, barring a U.S. open cup run, which was the only time in a competitive match, we've truly played the Chicago fire. 
Um, that'll be the best team we see all year. So it, it does nothing but help you get better. Think of it, It's a very, to me, apples to apples comparison. Think about a D2 team playing a D1 team in a preseason college basketball game in early November. Sometimes the D2 team wins. Yep. And so that's ter- certainly possible. But no, it's a great opportunity. You and I jokingly laughed for the pain at times last year of kind of a growth year for the 11. Where, where are your expectations for them and where should the fan base's expectations be this season? All right. So uh, 12 teams in each conference, eight teams make the playoffs. We should definitely be a playoff team. Indy 11 is significantly better. Now, there are some really good operations and really good teams in our side. Lou City is the best football, as in soccer, operation outside of Major League Soccer. It almost pains me to say it because of the rivalry, but it's absolutely the truth. They have been around for eight years. I think they've made the conference final at least every year and won a couple of championships. And they were very much about building from within, and they still do that and retain a lot of players. They have been much more apt the last couple of three years to go out and sign the best free agents available. For example... Dylan Maris from Zionsville has played for the Indy 11 in a couple of different stints. One of our all-time leaders in matches played after playing for Mark Lowry in El Paso for a couple of years and playing for El Paso last year. Dylan's wearing the purple this year and has joined a very good team in Lou City. Tampa Bay, we've got a couple of their former players on our team now, Sebastian Guenzada. We traded for Juan Tejada last year. They've lost some key pieces, but they're always going to be good. That's whom we open with in a couple of weeks. Uh, Birmingham went out and got one of our best former players in Tyler Pasher. After two years in Major League Soccer, he's now playing for the Birmingham Legion. They're good. Um, Detroit City had a great year last year. I'm not sure if they can maintain that, although their head coach, former Indy 11 assistant Trevor James, is really good. Um, I'm leaving somebody out, but I'm spacing. Charleston did a great job. They were the worst team in our half of the league last year. They're going to be much better with Ben Pierman. I think Memphis without Pierman will come back to the pack a little bit. I'm literally like scrolling through every team in my head in the Eastern Conference, but we should be a playoff team. And and I will tell you as the year goes along, I think we can compete with the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Time will tell. I know we probably don't want to get too much in the weeds with this, but but from a a broad standpoint, soccer is a game that requires patience depending on your style in terms of scoring from a scoring standpoint a pace standpoint how will the 11 be in that regard this year well it's funny um and and everybody in soccer shouldn't say everybody more and more teams are playing a high press and and again for those of you that are not of the soccer persuasion there's a lot of things from a soccer movement and how you move the ball albeit hands versus feet but I've often told people that are that are wanting to get more into soccer, but maybe have more of a basketball background, folks are trying to score against a 2-3 zone. That's, a, that's exactly what soccer tends to be. So when I say high press, it is very similar to a full court press in basketball. In other words, the, the analytics of the game, soccer, because of the way it's played, the amount of players on the field, the somewhat random nature of it, seemingly has been the last sport to embrace the analytics revolution, but it is here. And the analytics tell you something that once you think about it, you go, well, duh, that makes common sense. And that is if you force a team to turn it over or put the ball in a bad situation, probably best to do that as close to your goal as possible. How do you do that? 
by pressing high, contesting every ball along the back line, and then the team screws up, you got a better chance of scoring a goal because of that screw-up as compared to taking it 75 yards and then trying to score with it in that direction. So I, I, I say that, Jimmy, for this reason. Most teams now are high-pressing teams. The Indy 11, with the diamond system they use, it's all about trying to run you ragged and have you make that mistake. In theory, that's a system that nets you two, three, four goals a game, and that's certainly the way the Indy 11 want to play. I hope I didn't get too deep into the weeds with that. Last question on my end for the casual fan or somebody just trying to get into soccer, and I know that you and I would make the argument, well, any game you want to be out there see the Indy 11 is going to be a fun time but maybe one or two games you have circled as as must-see regular season tilts on the calendar sure race day uh as in race weekend i should say which will be uh the the usually there's the checkered kits day or the racing Indy day uh that would be uh may 27th and lou city is the opponent so we have jokingly said it's the derby on derby day we played a couple <laughs> of those before here uh louisville's coming up for race weekend and so that one will be great, and, and it, it will be great in part because Lou City will bring a lot of fans with them. Um, and, and Indy, Indy they, we are the noisy neighbors when we go down to Lou City. Um, we get these looks, you guys are mean. Yeah, we are a little bit. We want to we beat you. That's kind of the idea um, when, when, when we go down there. So May 27th uh, is one that immediately comes to mind. But obviously, Jimmy, all 17 home dates are glorious, oh, yeah. and you can find out more at 11com But off the top of my head, immediately, that's the one that comes to mind. Great questions, by the way. We might need to make the Jimmy Cook, Greg Rakestraw Q&A like a weekly segment on Soccer Saturday. Sounds fun to me. Makes it much easier for me. All right, folks, the rest of the show, it is you and me. I've got something of the Joey Votto take that I wasn't planning on having today, but it hit my timeline, and I go... Hmm, I think I could talk about that. But simply put, the rest of the show is up to you. Believe me, I've got plenty of things I could talk about. But if you want to talk more Hoosiers and Boilers, great. You want to talk more Pacers, we can do that too. We had Colts conversation with Kylan Granson. All of those things are up for you. But knowing that when I'm in this chair, what are the two things we often come back to? Well, one of them you just heard for the last 18 minutes in terms of talking soccer. I'm the soccer guy, especially from, say, like April through August. I'm the soccer guy. Um, then when it comes to, say, August through March, I'm the high school guy. So since the girls' high school state finals are tomorrow, and I'm broadcasting two of those games, and clearly I'm attached to one of the teams that is playing in those games tomorrow, we can have that conversation. But also, boys, sectional week is next week. I had a great Twitter question about a sectional to go to yesterday. And the folks in sectional nine have loved my answer because they've been retweeting it for the last 24 hours since. So if those two things are of interest to you, now's the time because it's open phone lines the rest of the way. 317-239-1070. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Heck, if you know the bat phone, text me here and I'll talk about that too. Me and you for the next 40 minutes on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Oh, the song that you loved and became annoying quickly in 1993. And now because of Sprinkles and it was a Geico commercial, became okay again for a while. This would be replaced by Two Unlimited. Get ready for this like two years later, by the way, as the way too suburban hip-hop track of the year, by the way. Greg Rakestraw, thanks to Jimmy Cook, 
the brains of the operation over the course of the last couple of days. Who's in on Monday? I have no idea. Won't be me. Been fun to hang with you for a couple of days, but you can always catch my work at iscsportsnetwork.com or simply put a high school gym close to you. I'm probably going to be there at least for the next two or three weeks. Toby on the phone lines wants to talk Colts trade scenarios. I'm down with that. Hello, Toby. Hey, how are you? I'm good, sir. Yeah, I I got two of them. Uh, the first one is 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 it conceivable that they could trade to the Bears, um, Ryan Kelly, and um, uh, twenty three. I'm trying to think of his name. Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore. Yep. Or uh, Shaq Leonard for the first pick, and still keep the fourth pick. No. No way. I mean, I, I think if you trade veterans, what you potentially avoid is more picks further down the draft. But there is no scenario, again, given all of the needs that the Chicago Bears have, um, there's no scenario where, where they would not get a high draft pick back. In other words, I could see the Bears trading with the Texans at two to get you know the, the, you know so that way they the Texans could guarantee they get the quarterback that they want the Colts obviously making a move in terms of getting from 4 to 1 to get the quarterback they want i don't see the cardinals i think the cardinals only they've got kyler murray and you can you know there's question marks there obviously but he's going to be their quarterback next year then the cardinals are content to say you know what you guys move around we'll get the non quarterback that we want or a player that we want at 3 but no, if if the Bears are making a trade, they're going to get a pick top four, top five back for this year's draft. Okay, um, let me throw one other scenario at you. Yep. What would the Colts get if they traded down from the fourth pick mm-hmm. to say between ten and fifteen? What could they get if they traded down to that, and then at that level they pick Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee? Um. They, the the Colts the Colts would get a nice haul back. What they'd also get is a potential fan riot. Um, and and Chris and, and 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 Chris Ballard should not concern himself with what the fans want. Okay, you can't. Yeah. You there, there's a line that if you if you coach or you manage a team by by way of the fans, pretty soon you'll be sitting with them. Um, so, and and so you you, just, you can't do that. At the same time, I think you have to take the temperature of the room and realize, dude, you, you've, you've got to get your guy you know, early in the draft. And there is a difference between the top-rated quarterback and the second-rated quarterback and the third-rated quarterback and the fourth-rated quarterback and on down to five, a guy that you would mention of that ilk. So, I again, I, I know Chris has a propensity to trade down. I get that. I don't think that's the time for it. I think now is the time to go up. Okay. Toby, thanks for the phone call, but I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you, you dialing us up. 317-239-1070 if you want to be a part of the conversation. I saw on Twitter Nate Atkins and Joel Erickson, who cover the team, obviously, for the Indianapolis Star, both kind of saying that earlier today, and, and kind of that way I have phrased it. And, and I'm not sitting here, and, and maybe two months from now when I have studied the guys more, I will say that. Bryce Young is your guy, or C.J. Stroud is your guy, or Levis, or Rich, whatever. I'm not there yet. I am saying this much more of kind of like the generic standpoint of if there's a guy that you feel is your guy, go get him. Go get him. 
to go to, to, to get that guy at number one, whether that's Young, whether that's Stroud, whatever the case may be. But, you know, the Colts, thankfully, have been in this position. In one sense, I want to say so infrequently because they drafted Nelson at six. The last, and then, you know, you got to go back to luck at one in 2012, the last time you were anywhere close to that scenario. But yet you'd also say, hey, if, if you potentially get yourself to the number one pick stick quarterback three times in 25 years or four times in 30 years, how many franchises have that opportunity either? We've had that. I'm throwing Jeff George in, by the way, in 90 uh, in talking about that argument there. You can obviously talk about different levels of success in terms of drafting at that number one position. But I, I am much more of the, I want the elevator going up in terms of, 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 a tr- of a trade, not the elevator going down. That's just me. Steve wants to talk on this subject. Hello, Steve. Hi, how are you, Greg? I really enjoy listening to you and appreciate your knowledge. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Um, I haven't heard this anywhere. Is there any interest or thought into looking at Green Bay's Jordan Love since if Aaron Rodgers comes back, this guy's been on the bench for sure. like four or five years. Sure. And that way we wouldn't get rid of all the, our other good players. I mean, we'll have to replace whatever players we give up to move up. It just doesn't seem sure. to make sense. Uh, that, is, that is a... It's an outside possibility, and I think Love is in his second year or his third, which would mean he would have two or three years left on his rookie deal. And I've lost track of exactly how many years he's been on the pine collecting dust uh, at this point. And and he is the guy, maybe because of the region of the country that he played in or the way that he played is almost seemingly like the Josh Allen guy. Like, hey, you're not sure what you have in him, but you've got something. Steve, honestly believe if the if the Green Bay Packers were completely honest with you, they would prefer that that Jordan Love is their quarterback next year and that Aaron Rodgers goes someplace else. I, I think there is an acknowledgement of how great Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay. I think there is also kind of a a a tiredness or simply an acknowledgement of hey. It's been 16 great years. It's time for us to go in a different direction. Thank you, and let's move on. So would I be interested in a Jordan Love scenario here? I might be. Um, Could you get him for less than, say, the number four pick in the draft? Yes, you could. Um, Honestly, I I think he's the starting quarterback in Green Bay. I I think Rodgers is going someplace else, to be honest with you, Steve. Okay, well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Steve, thanks for calling us up. I, I appreciate you. Keep those Colts phone calls coming or tweets if you'd like as well. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter, email the program, Greg at 1070thefan, or dial us up at 317-239-1070. Phone calls this segment and the next. Um, the other thing that I will share with you, and again, I really hadn't planned on talking about the Cincinnati Reds today. I thought that my baseball conversation would likely be capped by having Brandon Gauden on the program. And if you missed it, podcast available now, 1075thefan.com. Brandon, now the new television voice of the Atlanta Braves. Um, I, I've I've watched less Reds baseball over the last couple of years. My favorite baseball team now for 40 years, just because I'm to an age, I'm like, listen, if you're not going to be competitive, you're not going to get my attention. You're not going to get my time. 
But this was pretty cool when the Reds put this out on Twitter about 35 minutes or so ago. They literally showed like all of the headshots of Joey Votto from his time with the organization. You know, the last 15 wearing the number 19, the previous two not having a number, just knowing he was, to use the Colin Cowherd phrase, hot minor league prospect. And when I tell a Joey Votto story, I was fortunate to be on the call of one game of his for the Louisville Bats for the Indianapolis Indians, maybe 06, 07, somewhere in that time. And Joey hit a ball between the 405 and 418 signs at Victory Field that never got more than, say, 15, 20 feet above the ground and literally was hit so hard as a line drive that when the ball hit center field, the fence, the padded fence, it left a dent in it as it hit him. I'm like, you know what? This kid might have a future. And nearly two decades later, we're still talking about him. And while he's not going to have probably the World Series success of players on the big red machine, you know, you're literally talking about him as like one of the two or three greatest Cincinnati Reds of all time. That That's the level of com- – for a team that's been playing for 150 years, that's how good Joey Votto is. All time, he's he's – He's on the Mount Rushmore. If you're listening, JMB, I know how much you love that 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 comment. You know, you, you have to get past many fingers of hand number one to talk about how good Joey Votto is. But the reason I bring this up is not really anything about Joey Votto, but it's the symmetry of the uniforms that the Reds have had since that time. Now, you could say that the Reds have had a classic style, and that's fair. Like, the, the only change in my... You know, like 40 years of Reds fandom was that brief time where they wore the black and red or the red caps and the uh, black bills or the milkman look of the early 90s of the white caps. I'm not saying we go back to those, but perhaps it's time for uniform change. If you're showing me 15 years of Joey Votto on social media and the uniform is the damn same for 15 years... And let's face it, this is this has not been like some classic era of red success that we're talking about here. There's been like, you know, a, a couple of playoff appearances. I don't think I've missed anything like the last Reds playoff series win was 1995. Maybe it's time we change the uniforms up a little bit. If Joey Votto has been wearing the same stinking uniform since 2008. And and, and uh, I realize it's non-visual medium, and I'm not a fashion designer. I'm not sure what I would do differently, but maybe just maybe we tweak those a little bit. If Joey's been in the same uniform style since 2007, just some 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 fodder for thought on this Friday afternoon. Let's take this quick time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up the phone calls, the tweets. We'll recap the guest, and we'll talk to you. Whatever it is you want to talk about. Six great guests yesterday, five of them today, just you and me the rest of the way on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I saw Montel Jordan in concert at the artist formerly known as Deer Creek. He was not the headliner. He was part of a uh, three-act show. Pretty sure Boys to Men was the headliner in the summer of 1995. 6'8", indeed, he stood Greg Rakestraw is my name, Jimmy Cook on the ones and twos. And Jimmy was kind enough to participate in an Indy 11 Q&A with me 
about 25 minutes ago. This portion of the program is what you're used to. Jimmy wants to make you some money. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a f- athlete. This is my f- way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, we will stay in the NBA. We're going to take the Sacramento Kings plus eight as they are in L.A. against the Clippers. Also going to take the Cleveland Cavaliers money line. They are on the road against the Hawks of Atlanta. It's not posted yet, but I assume it'll probably be around 23 and a half or so when it is posted. That's just how college basketball betting works in the state of Indiana. I'll take Trace Jackson Davis's over tomorrow for Indiana against Purdue. Those plays on Twitter at the J. Cook. Now, is this the part where I get to brag on my picks as well? Can, can I offer always, some picks? Always. Well, how about this for very well-timed emails? Um, obviously, you're familiar with our buddy Alan Karpik mm-hmm. of goldenblack.com. Yes. For the last 10 years um, or so, I have been invited to play in something called Media Mania, where every week during the football season, every week during the basketball season, uh, I am asked to pick five games, myself and 20-ish, 25, 30 uh, media personalities, sponsors, people that know people, uh, et cetera. And, uh, and, and there are weekly winners and there are year-long winners. James, you want to guess who this week's winner of Media Mania that gets dinner at an Arnie's location across the state of Indiana might be? I'm going to take a guess and say one Greg Rakestraw. Hey! Got all 15 right. So there's wow. five, there's five games. Blind squirrels find nuts from time to time. Uh, five games, like the, the co- most confident game you have, you put a five on. Four, three, two, one. Now, I was actually leading the season-long competition, and I myself had a Purdue at Maryland and Northwestern week. I think I had five the previous week. Ooh. I stunk out loud. I was the Baltimore Ravens in October of 2000. Monsters of the Midway for four months. God awful for a month. That was me. I have rebounded with a perfect score last week. So with that, would you like to hear my five picks for upcoming college basketball games? Give it to me. All right. Uh, in order. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this like one through five, okay. And again, these aren't with the spread. This is straight up, okay. Because we're not playing for we're just playing for pizza. We're gonna pick them straight up, okay. Number one, Northwestern will win at Maryland. Write this down, Jimmy. Number two, Rutgers has been a great story. They are off the rails because of an injury. I like Steve Peichel. I like the Scarlet Knights a lot, but they've been struggling lately. Give me. Penn State to win at home against Rutgers. Game number three is Michigan State and Nebraska. And Michigan State has been, again, on this emotional roller coaster. I've told you the last couple of days, I didn't expect Indiana to actually win at Michigan State on Tuesday, and they didn't. I think Michigan State comes down from that. And frankly, you may not have been paying attention because, frankly, nobody pays attention to Nebraska basketball. But the Huskers have been playing better as of late. They've been picking up some wins. I'm going with hashtag Nebraskaball to beat Michigan State coming up when they play. Now, Purdue's games are always included. My number four pick is for Purdue to win in Madison against Bucky, which has not been easy for 
Purdue. They've had a little more success there than Indiana has had over the years. But obviously, it was a Wisconsin team that does have kind of a siege and having a great freshman year, but not what they have been. I've got Purdue to win at Wisconsin. And then, for my lock of the week, Purdue beating Indiana at Mackey Arena. The southern half of the state is swearing at me as we speak. And probably a good chunk of the northern half of the state as well. So there you go. Those are my five picks. Sure to go wrong. Because once you start bragging about one great week of the picks, it all goes in the tank. By the way, the media media standings for this year kind of look a lot like the middle of the Big Ten. Not a lot of separation between those of us that are I'm three points off from the uh, year-long um, victory. And I think, I've never won the year-long competition, at least I, I can't remember if I have. I think I get ownership of the magazine if I win the year-long competition. 317-239-1070 is the telephone number. At Greg Rakestraw uh, on Twitter. Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. In case you missed uh, our guest list today, Brandon Gauden joined us. Again, of course, Brandon, again, I can't believe it's been 10 years. I literally can hear him. Um, I Like, if I think of Brandon calling Butler games, I think of Brandon's call of the Final Four win against VCU in Houston in 2011. I can literally hear him saying the national championship game once more from that night 12 years ago. And I think of... <laughs> I think of the opposite of the reaction of Brad Stevens to the Roosevelt Jones bucket to beat Gonzaga when game day was at Butler in 2013. You remember that night? A, I was supposed to be there. I mean, you remember this part. I do. I was supposed to be there and I was sick. I literally called Jim McGrath at 7.30. Jim, I know there's no seats in the house. Jim, the longtime SID since retired at Butler. Jim, uh, I'm, I'm not getting off my couch. I don't want my open seat to go to waste. Please have somebody sit there because I'm sure there's people that are waiting in the media room that actually like to sit and and enjoy this game. And that's the game that I missed was that amazing steal and Rosie on the push shot from 15 feet hits it. And Brad Stevens being the guy that he is, like literally to use a wrestling terminology, no sold it. Like, like just literally turned and walked and like almost apologized to Mark Few. Like, I'm sorry this crazy play happened and you lost in our building. God bless you and your family. Good night. And like walked to the locker room. Well, Brandon, of course, being the play-by-play guy, had the absolute opposite reaction. Always enjoy my conversation with Brandon. I think he's got Butler and Marquette, I think, is is his next game. Um, so anyway, uh, follow him. And he's been doing the Braves games on TV this year. He's going to do a fantastic job. Jeremiah Johnson, he's got a Friday night off. But he, Chris Tadari, Quinn Buckner, Mark Boyle, the rest of of the uh, Pacers traveling crew. They get to spend a Friday night in Orlando because the Pacers play tomorrow night against the Magic. You can hear that here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Kylan Granson of the Indianapolis Colts joined us and joined really my first one-on-one conversation I've had with Kylan in a couple of years. Uh, he has a book drive that is going on the entire month of March in conjunction with Indianapolis Kroger Locations. KG's Kids, KGSKids.com, has more information. Kylan says he is an obsessive reader. He's the son of an educator. He's trying to raise 10,000 books 
for kids across central Indiana. Um, so go see him. He's going to be at the Kroger location at 116th and Oleo Road uh, next Saturday from 11 to 1. But you can take a book to a Kroger location the entire month of March. Let's get that man 10,000 books for a noble cause. Antoine Davis was phenomenal. He is 97 points away from catching Pistol Pete Maravich as the all-time leading scorer, I believe in Divisions 1, 2, and 3 of the NCAA. I, I, at the NAI level, I think there have been players that have scored more points. Like, for example, the late Steve Platt, whom the arena is named after at Huntington University and their longtime basketball coach, I think he had 3,700-something in his days at Huntington. So that's why I've said like the Division One record and maybe all three divisions. It's not completely the college basketball record. But if you're in a conversation with Pistol Pete in terms of scoring, you must be pretty good. And again, you can argue what's more impressive. One was three years, one's five years, one was three-point shot, one was no three-point shot. The fact that someone is even in the conversation with Pistol Pete is amazing. And Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11, also joined the program today. And if you missed that interview, you can go to the podcast page or you can listen to Soccer Saturday tomorrow morning because you're going to hear it again. I'll also be joined by Amanda Vandervoort, who is the commissioner of the W League. The U.S. The uh, Indy 11 women's team will play their second season. They were great last year. Season two for them begins on May 10th. And you'll also hear Chris Doran, you're in the Bloomington area, you know who Chris is because he lived there for a long time. He does a lot of Big Ten soccer for Big Ten Network, radio voice of the Columbus crew. He'll be on the show tomorrow as well. Uh, somebody I mentioned on the program has decided to call in. Um, that is my buddy Aaron Pittman. Hello, sir. How are you? I'll try that again, sir, because uh, our, our, we were a little slow. And actually, even though you have a deeper voice than me, if we have you potted down on the board, we can't hear you. How are you, Aaron? Oh, I'm quite well. How are you? See, now you hear that projection. He's getting full announcer voice uh, speaking into the phone. Yes, my friend, you you got a shout out on the broadcast earlier today. Hey, I, I mean, I'll take what I can get. So just unfortunately, I wasn't listening at that point in time. So I, I missed it. I'll have to go back on the uh, on the YouTube channel and, and listen to it. Absolutely. A- other than saying hi, anything else to add to the conversation today? I, I literally have nothing unless you want to talk about uh, – we've got seven minutes left. Maybe we want to talk about the most obnoxious fan bases. In, in uh, no, I, 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 don't, it, I don't want any part of that. Uh, it's a feel-good Friday. I don't want that attached to my name. What, where are you going to be tonight for your game? Uh, I Actually, I am off tonight. That so doesn't happen. I, you got like 39 no. different – you got more gigs than me. How do you get a night off? <laughs> uh, somehow, some way, every school that I work for is on the road tonight. Uh, ben Davis is at Tech. Uh, North Central had a Tuesday night game. Uh, Anderson is on the road. So I'm I'm actually taking – my wife and I are taking our 13-month-old daughter to uh, Smiley's over in Castleton and going to let her uh, – get all of her energy out before bed so it's a it's a good tune-up before sectionals next week i'm looking forward to the uh to the tournament uh and hope my my alma mater ben davis can go uh, deep in the tournament uh hope that north central can go deep and anderson as well whose wedding are you playing tomorrow by the way i i have no wedding tomorrow Uh, matter of fact i am announcing uh non-sports related i am announcing a drumline competition out at decatur central high school so i have a uh 
a long 11-hour day ahead of me tomorrow. You'll crush it, I'm sure. Thanks for calling, my friend. Appreciate yeah, you. Thank you. My buddy Aaron Pittman, follow him on social. Uh, virtual Announce is where you can find him. And also a shout-out, you know, the reason I brought Aaron up is that people said, hey, favorite PA announcer, hey, favorite atmosphere, favorite gymnasium, etc." And I said, Aaron's my favorite PA guy. My buddy Chad Nickham is a close second. Uh, and Chad will be doing the girls' basketball state finals tomorrow uh, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um, Chad does the Hall of Fame Classic, does a lot of the IHSA state finals at this point. But uh, those are two guys. You hear them in a high school game. Chris Keyes would be in that mix. There's a bunch of stuff with Lawrence Central University, et cetera. Um, there are a lot of great guys to get behind a microphone, not even from a play-by-play standpoint, but simply from a standpoint uh, of um, on, on a public address system. Um, much like we have a lot of great coaches and great talent and great gyms, we got good people rocking a microphone as well. A couple of quick things from Twitter before I exit stage left. Uh, from uh, CB, what were your five picks again? Apparently, Steve thinks I'm going to make him some money. Just know that these are not legally binding, okay? If you lose money... Maybe I'll give you my Arnie's gift card or something like that. Um, Northwestern wins at Maryland. Penn State beats Rutgers. That game's in State College. Nebraska in Lincoln beats Michigan State. Purdue goes on the road and beats Wisconsin. Purdue at home beats the Indiana Hoosiers. And finally, from Jim, you wore me out just by sharing your schedule for the next couple of days. Jim, I would not have it any other way. I get paid to go to ball games for a living. Life's pretty good. And tomorrow morning, I get to be on the call of my hometown, my high school, playing for a state championship. And remarkably, it is the third time I have gotten to do that in the last eight years. Can't fathom that. I got to go watch him practice and took my mom with me to that practice earlier today. That was pretty cool, too. Almost as cool as hanging out with you guys for three hours. Thanks for putting up with me. JMB comes up next.